Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. We've been dealing with, this is session 25 now, the prosperity of the soul, part 5. I want to speak this morning about peaceful relationships for your seed. I will start it now and conclude this segment on Wednesday evening. It's a very, very important study, this. And please, you must listen very, very carefully. I believe it's going to challenge you, but it will set you up for great success. If you live this, I promise you. I've, I've started for a long time employing these principles, and I've seen the blessing of the Lord. Amen? Do you recall Zechariah 8? We said in Zechariah eight twelve, God promised them that there would be peace for the seed. Everyone say, peace for the seed. Let me quote it to you again. For there will be peace for the seed, and the vine will yield its fruit, and the land its, its produce, and the heavens will give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to inherit all things. The latter part of the verse speaks about great productivity, great prosperity. You have images like the vine yielding its fruit, the land yielding its produce, the heavens giving their due, people inheriting all things. That's a, pre- that, that's, a, that's a prosperous picture, right? But uh, the precursor is, God says, I will give peace for the seed. Now, seed sown generates that kind of fruit. Seed is sown, and that is the result. But the quintessential requirement, God says, for the seed to generate that kind of vine-yielding fruit, land-yielding produce, heavens-giving dew, people inheriting all things, God said a seed must be sown, but... It's how and in what context the seed is sown that will generate that kind of harvest. God says there must be peace for the seed. And last week I told you about peaceful habitations. Not so. The contemporary English version of the Bible says your crops are planted in peace. God's word version says seeds will thrive in peacetime. Seeds thrive within the context of peace. And I want to talk to you this morning about relational peace, right? Do you remember I said to you, Isaiah 32 verse 17 says this, The work of righteousness shall be peace. We can paraphrase it by saying, uh, Peace is the result of righteousness, or that the fruit of righteousness is peace. The work of righteousness is peace. So if you want peace, you must have righteousness. Have righteousness in place, and peace will result. In our last two sessions, I discussed with you several benefits and blessings that are attendant with the righteous person, the righteous man. And what is righteousness? We define it as follows. Doing that which is right in the sight of God. Doing that which is right in the sight of God. Even go as further to say, thinking that which is right in the sight of God. Although we are positionally righteous, Paul said this, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, having not a righteousness of our own. So righteousness is a gift, Scripture calls it, that can be imputed to you by virtue of your acceptance of Christ. So positionally you are righteous. But he who is positionally righteous must now start to practice 
and do what is righteous. Your state to which you've attained positionally is only evidenced by that which you do. Your works testify of your inner quality. Right? So when you do righteousness, testifies to that which you are, that you are righteous. First John 3, 7 says, little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Who is righteous? He who practices righteous. So you can't do that which is not right in the sight of God, which is unrighteous, then say, no, but I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. No, if you are the righteousness of God in Christ, there's another verse, I think it's 1 John 2.29, it says, whoever is born of him, practice righteousness. So if you claim this connection with the Lord, what we must see in your life is doing that which is right in the sight of in the sight of God. Now, listen to this. Renee shared this in one of the word thoughts, I think last week. Isaiah 61 verse 11. As the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes things sown in it to spring up, so the Lord will cause what? Righteousness and praise to spring up. I love this phrase. God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up. The earth brings forth sprouts. The garden causes things to grow up and to spring up. So God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up from the, from the earth. Now, the first part of the verse speaks about things sown and the garden, things springing up in the garden. And so will righteousness spring up. If righteousness is to spring up, you've got to sow seeds of righteousness. Right? Seeds are deeds of righteousness. Remember, uh, I said to you, the concept of seed in which we're talking about is broad in the scripture. Right? It can allude to your money, it can allude to your um, financial seed, it's the word of God. Seed is the word. Seed is the son of the kingdom. Seed is the, the person. Galatians talks about Christ being the, Christ being the seed itself. The seed is any kingdom initiative or activity that has an all-pervasive um, influence in life. Okay? Uh, whatever man sows, that he shall also reap. Your seed is anything. Tell you never your seed is anything. Whatsoever man sows. Do you know you're always sowing? In your thinking, you're always sowing. In your deeds, you're always sowing. You're always sowing, hence you're always reaping. You simply reaping that which you're sowing. Simple. Right? All of life is. You are bringing to yourself the things you give out. Say it again, very important. You are bringing to yourself the deeds, the acts, or the attitudes, or the behaviors, and the decisions you take. Simply things are coming back to you based on what you put out. People say I have no friends. My answer is, are you friendly? Because the Bible says, he who desires friends, Proverbs says, must show himself to be friendly. Right? So what you sow, you, you reap. Right? Not so? What you sow, you, you reap. And so, um, I'm sowing peace like you can't believe. I'm sowing righteousness like you can't believe. I'm doing that which is right in the sight of God. Not what men would want me to do, what God wants me to do. Not what men want me to think, but what God wants me to think. Now check this verse out. This is all introduction. James 3.18 in the NLT version says the following. 
those of you with the new notes, it's right at the bottom of the page. It says this, very interesting verse, eh? Those who are peacemakers will plant peace, will plant seeds of peace, and they reap a harvest of righteousness. Listen carefully. Those who are peacemakers, I'm going to talk about peacemakers in exactly two weeks' time. Please, you must be here for that study. Think about it like this. Who believes that peace is necessary? Who believes that peace is an, ex- an essential expression of the kingdom of God? You believe this? Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Your first um, issue or the first essential for peace is that you must have peace between you and God. Eh? Jesus, in his death on the cross, Paul says, making peace between us and God. Right? In his death. So you must have peace in your relationship with the Lord. Secondly, listen carefully. You must have peace within yourself, within your soul, no matter what you're going through in life. No matter what circumstance, what condition, what trial. Besides having the peace spiritually connection with God, yes, you are saved now, you are at peace with Him. No matter what you go through in life, you must embody the principle of being at rest and at peace. Right? You must master not only peace with God, you must master peace within yourself, irrespective of what you're going through. Amen. Now, who wants to go to the third level? Tell you remember there's a third level? The third level is called peacemaking. Where, listen carefully, on two expressions. Sean, Sean has an issue with me, and it's, it's, it's bothering me because we are brothers in the kingdom. So what does the Bible say? If you know your brother has ought with you, go see him and sort the issue out. So if I'm a man of peace, the peace of God compels me to ensure that there is relational peace between me and my, my brother. Right? That's, I would say, level three. But level four is very few want to go there. Level four is those two are at loggerheads with each other. And God says, now you are at peace with me. You've mastered the principle of peace. You, you deliberately take conscious steps to, to sort issues out between you and others who are not at peace with you. Now there are two others. Can I send you like a son, like I sent my son into the world, can I send you as that kind of peacemaker that brings peace between two opposing parties? Knowing that probably you will be crucified in the process. Like he was crucified. Right? Now, tell your neighbor that's a forthcoming attraction. Right? God's been speaking to me recently. Are you willing to arbitrate at that level? It's fine. You, you, you say, for Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, be the umpire, the ref, and, and be thankful, etc. We know the scriptures. But how about you being a ref in life? You being an expression of my peace in life and bringing peace between others. Right? Now, that is where we want to go, but I need to just back up a bit. This verse says, I love this, it says, Those who are peacemakers, if you want to be a peacemaker, you plant seeds of peace. What kind of seeds have you been planting? Hmm? Then you want to, you you wake up surprised and to see a harvest of tension, a harvest of, of heartache, a harvest of bitterness, a harvest of unforgiveness, but you've done nothing to sow the right seed to change the harvest. What kind of seeds are you sowing? What kind of speech are you speaking? What kind of conversation do you entertain? Right? Very important. But you know what this verse seems to contradict Isaiah 32 verse 17. 
Isaiah 32, 17 says that the work of righteousness will be peace. The out- righteousness first, peace is the outcome. Remember we said your walls of righteousness, peace within the walls, prosperity within the palaces. This verse is now saying, it says you plant peace and the harvest is righteousness. Now the word doesn't contradict itself, not so. I believe the simple explanation is this, that I really believe where righteousness, doing things that are pleasing in the sight of God is in place. Where you live righteously, peace will be the natural result. Right? And when you imbibe and embody peace fully, you, as an expression of your righteousness, will plant seeds of peace. And your seeds of peace will generate for you greater practical expressions of your righteousness. And so it continues. So it con- continues. Peace begetting righteousness. Or righteousness begetting peace. Peace begetting greater righteousness. Everyone say harvest. Harvest. Hallelujah. Do you know even giving? It was this lovely scripture. It just comes to me now. I don't know it offhand. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, Paul talks about financial giving. And he says to those people, your gifts will even testify of your righteousness. Your, your, your giving will testify of your righteousness. Amen. Now, I really want to get into my challenge to you this morning. I want to speak about relational peace. You can call it relational righteousness, if you would. If righteousness is doing that which is right in the sight of God, then in all my relationships, I want to do that which is right in the sight of God. Say it again, peace for the seed. I want to encourage you. Uh, let's just say in reference to financial offerings, you sow seed and you don't generate the level of harvest that you publicly have a right to receive. Right? Firstly, you must understand God is not the problem. The problem lies somewhere else, not with God. There might be something else hindering your potential harvest. I want to present to you this morning possibly one of the things that present, prevent the full manifestation of the prosperity of the sons of God is the lack or the absence of peace in relationships. The lack or the absence of righteousness in relationships. Okay? And I want to present that using several examples. Firstly, um, Abraham's action to rescue his brother Lot, remember? who separated from him. Uh, this brought him great spoil or wealth at the defeat of a coalition of four kings. Now, basically, you know the story. Let me just refresh your memory. Lot is living in Sodom. Chiralom and three others run rampage over the entire area, subduing kings, kingdoms, taking cities, the people, and goods, right? North to Elam, a Persian city. They attack Sodom and Gomorrah. Obviously, Lot is there. He's taken captive. A fugitive who managed to escape comes to Abram and gives Abram the news that his nephew Lot is also among those taken captive. Please bear in mind, this is Genesis 14. In Genesis 13, let's go back, Genesis 12. In Genesis 12, Abram receives promises. I'll bless you, make of you a great nation. Anyone who blesses you, I bless. Anyone who curses you, I curse. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Genesis 13, Lot tags along with him as he leaves Ur of the Chaldees. Tension. Everyone say tension. Tension. 
Say strife. Strife arises not between Abram and Lot. Strife arises between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abram. For the Bible says both men were very wealthy. I think Lot became wealthy because of his association with Abram, who was a wealthy man. So by virtue of association, the grace of Abram is now on Lot. Because of the multitude of cattle that both men had, quarrels arose between their laborers. Lot, doesn't, Lot displays no inclination to sort the issue out. You must read between the lines. Lot is quite content to abide in a context of strife. That's what I read about here when I read Genesis 13 and 14. He's quite content to let the status quo persist. The status quo is, there's tension. Now, if our, if our workmen will keep our wealth or reflection of us, they are quarreling, and I don't do anything to, to resolve it, tells me that Lot is content to abide in strife. And you know what? I want to say it again. There's only prosperity if there's peace for the seed. Abraham takes the initiative. Abraham comes to Lot and says, See, there is strife. Right? Let not this be. Let us rather part. If you go to the left, you choose first, I go to the right. If you choose the right, he gives his nephew first option. Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the plains were well watered everywhere, east of the Jordan, I think, right? Um, and the Bible says, and he pitched his tent there, but he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Chose the best land, but it was towards, towards Sodom. Then God says to Abram, after Lot said, separated from him. Read the scriptures carefully. God said to Abram, after Lot separated. So long as Lot was present, the voice of the Lord was muffled to Abram's ear. So once you get rid of a Lot-type brother, the voice of the Lord becomes open to you. A brother that is content to have live in strife. You, you know, it's, it's not good to have a semblance of peace when you know there are subtle undertones. Then you are simply doing things to be politically correct, to be seen to be fine. You know this. Tell your neighbor, you do have a family, extended family. <laughs> you know, sometimes you've got big, big family gatherings. No one dares say anything about that topic with that group because da, 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 da. Right? And never mind in families, even in the house of God, we're doing things, we're posturing ourselves to be seen politically correct, yet we are not truly at one with each other. Right? We're not truly at one. Right? We're tolerating each other to such a degree that we're not really in heart connected. Right? Now, I'm beyond that. What the, the men that came to David said, we are bone of your bone and we are flesh of your flesh. There was this heart intimate connection between. And I want to encourage you. Stamo shared on, on oneness at the meeting on Wednesday. It was powerful. It was awesome. We have to become indivisibly one. The number one's a cardinal or ordinal number. Right? It, it's a unit. It's singular. We must become like that in the, in the spirit. Amen? So that if, if, if they see me and Clinton and I, they must say, the brothers are one. And oneness presupposes peaceful or peace between us. 
right? I'm suggesting to you or demonstrate to you, when that persists, when peace prevails, prosperity will be normal in the house of God. What is, you know what? We often quote the scripture, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the, for the who? Come on, say it louder. For the who? For those that do what is right in the sight of God, for the righteous. And when you have righteousness, you will have peace and prosperity will follow. Hmm? It will automatically happen. I believe God is waiting. That is why these recent messages on oneness and Hebron are so vitally important for us. We get this right. God will shower us with the spoil of Chedaloma. Right? God will shower us with the spoil of Chedaloma. Now, here's the catch. Who suggested that they separate? Talk to me. Abram made the suggestion. Abram realized, but you know, the suggestion came after, I think he must have surmised, this brew, who is veiled. What does Lot name? Lot, the name Lot means veiled. Can't see. He, he, he doesn't see what Abram represents. I asked, the one thing I want to ask Lot when I see him, who in their right mind will leave Abraham? <laughs> what on earth were you thinking? Eh? Who's going to leave Abraham? He, he got the promises. He got the blessing. Eh? You already start to feel the overflow of the, of the grace upon this man. Who in their right mind is going to leave a man like that? Right? It shows you can be so close to grace, yet not see its profundity. And the big thing about grace is you become too familiar with your grace carrier you begin to lose sight of the profundity of what he carries. That is why the closer you get, don't let familiarity um, cause spiritual blindness. Right? It's good to get close. The Bible even says, uh, Dr. Siki does a teaching where he says, spiritual, father, spiritual sons and spiritual fathers must not just be father and son, but they must be the best of friends. And Dharma has been teaching recently, there's a realm beyond sonship, it's called friendship. Right? Please, I emailed you the notes last night. Look at that study. I would encourage you to read that one before you sleep tonight. Uh, I think it's the second, second session on Hebron in the notes I sent to you. Read it. Wonderful study about the position of Hebraic or the Hebrew culture of friendship. Now we need to bring that back to the, back to the kingdom. Because there is a friend that sticks closer. Then a who? Now, if you, everyone say brother. You know why? Because um, uh, this thing of brother, read the scripture. When the fugitive came back to tell Abram, hey, your nephew's gone. He's also one part of the captives. This is, this is how it's recorded. Genesis 13, 8. Abram said, this is before, sorry. Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and... Can you hear Abram's heart? Please, Lot, let there be no strife between you and me. Nor between... So there was strife between him and Lot. He's, then he says, because no between my herdsmen and your herdsmen. It started with the herdsmen. It now is with them. Think about the source of some of your tensions with some people. Most times it didn't start with the person. You are taking on somebody else's baggage and you're bringing that into your world. Hmm? Choose your battles. Choose wisely. Right? Not because Sean is having issues with Quinton. Now, next time I see Quinton, I'm looking at him strange. 
And I got nothing. Quentin didn't do nothing to me. But I'm taking up on the cudgels of somebody else, and I'm part of the equation. Right? The herdsmen are fighting. That's spilled over. Lot manifests. Abraham says, let there not be strife between you and I. Comma, between our herdsmen and my herdsmen and your herdsmen. No, and he says, for we are what? For we are brothers. Everyone say brothers. Say ah. Ah. Come on, say we are ah. I'm quoting to you the Hebrew word. Hebrew word for brother is ah. A-C-H, ah. Very closely related to the Greek word for brother, which is adelphor. Those we emit from the same womb. Same DNA. Never ever lose respect. Lot should have seen Abram as a father. His name even says high father. The meaning of Abram's name is high father. Couldn't see that. Lot saw him as an equal brother. Um, And so, somebody said, a preacher said, when you equalize grace, you neutralize it. You see yourself on the same place. Yes, you are brothers, you are friends, but always elevate the principle of Father so that grace can flow gravitationally. Now, listen carefully then. Also, it says in Genesis 14, 14, when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, hmm, he threw a party and he said, well, good for you. You, have, you knew it was coming. Does the Bible say that? <laughs> no. Think about this. This is not, this is someone that left you. This is someone that couldn't see what you represent. This is someone that neutralized the grace of God in you. This is someone that disrespected you. This is someone that never ever saw you as a father, but saw you as an equal. This is someone that leaves you, and now he's in trouble, and you get to hear about it. Now, yeah is, who wants spoil? You still want the spoil from Chedaloma, right? Abraham did not throw a party and said, well, Lot, you had it coming. I could have prophesied and told you this the day you left me that things are going to go wrong in your life. You know how people talk today? Right? In this curse, let me assure you, if for whatever reason um, you feel this is not your house, and we respect that because many people are in transition and many people find their identity. Right? And many, it's been done here on many occasions. Many of you witnessed me releasing people with blessing and with, with favor and, and, and with prophecy and and well wishes, right? That's how we must do it. Some places you go, I, you know when I go to Africa, I hear of stories where people leave the church and they are cursed. Incantations and everything are welled up and the, they leave. You can't leave, right? Oh, please. <laughs> that's, that's demonic. That's unbiblical. Amen? That's not of the kingdom of God. Amen? We don't own anyone. We're not territorial. We are relational. And we will assume responsibility. But it's all by willing, willingness. Amen. From, from both parties. So tell you never be free. Be free. Amen. We're just here to serve. That's all we are wanting to do. Now, the book of Proverbs says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And you know what happened? We often use that in reference to Christ. I remember when we used to testify in the tent. I got saved. Jesus, my Savior. And he's a friend that sticks closer than the brother. But nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, that verse. As far as the book of Proverbs, it was a proverbial saying that 
there is a place beyond brotherhood. It's called friendship. Friendship presupposes brotherhood, but friendship goes way, way deeper and beyond friends, beyond brotherhood. Right? We won't have time to teach friendship now. Please read the note. But I would like you to become my friend. Here's an open invitation. Become my friend. That is, listen carefully. You may be my son in the Lord. And yes, we're also brothers in the Lord. But there's a place of intimate sharing of secrets that only friends share. Right? There's a place. You know what Jesus said to his disciples, his 12 apostles? From now on, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. With the friends, the servant does not know what his master does. But the friend does. Hmm? Friendship. Amen. Who wants to make new friends today? I want to challenge you, even amongst yourself, become friendlier. Because friendship is going to sustain the bond of peace. Amen. And the Hebrew concept, the biblical concept of friendship, is vastly different to our secular, modern, Western, 21st century view of friendship. Vastly different. You must please study friendship in the scriptures. Now when I sing, I'm a friend of God, I sing it with renewed understanding. Amen. Now, verse 14, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 men, uh, trained servants who were born in his house, went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces again by night. His servants attacked them and he pursued them as far as Hobah, which was in Damascus. He brought back the goods and he also brought back his brother Lot and the goods with him. I love the story. You know what? You know what the challenge is? Um, Abraham risked his entire prophetic destiny. He put his life on pause. Why? He took all of his known resources, right? Which included 318 men that he personally trained in his household. He poured himself into. The word trained is ruch, means to pour yourself into. Abraham literally over a period of time poured himself into these 318 men. Right? He took three brothers, three brews, alliances of men that he had very close friendships with. Aina, Esco, and Mamre. He settled up. The Bible says he went to rescue his brother, Lot. Now, which, which of you will use all of your wealth and literally risk suicide by all natural accounts this was like a suicide mission. If you were making a movie, the title of this movie would be Mission Highly Impossible. Right? This, this is like an impossible. The, the odds so stacked up against Abram. A coalition of four mighty Persian empires. All you got is 318 men and three brothers, three friends. And you must love to go and rescue a brother that left you that was not content to sort out issues. But your position never changes. I'm not talking about the brother. Because some people, let me just say this. Some people you can't walk with. But you will have to love them. You're not allowed to hate anybody in the kingdom. You will love everyone. But sometimes wisdom demands that you can't walk close with, er with everyone. Abraham realized this. So he separates from Lot. But when the chips were down and the brother was in trouble... Guess who comes to his aid? And guess, that is the challenge that I want to present to us. Is God calling you to rescue someone that offended you? Is God calling you 
to basically help someone that hurt you? Is God calling you to reach out to someone um, that basically used you or was enriched by association with you, then left you? Like Lot did Abram? Is God calling you to write that email, make that phone call, and ensure that there's peace for the seed? Now it's very quiet here. What happened? Suddenly it's gone somber. You know what? This is the challenge of the Lord. You see, the Bible says, Abram comes back with great wealth, spoil, booty. It says, you know, you know what Abram came back with? He came back with goods and people. It says, he had servants. And by the rule of law in that era, booty, spoil, recruited from any war, belonged to the victor. It was not the property of Sodom. That's why the king of Sodom had to come literally ask him, can I have it back? He knew it's yours legally. Right? Why did Abraham give a tenth of the, all of that to, to Melchizedek? Because it was his. You can't give away that which is not yours. A lot of people, you must read the commentaries on Google. Google Chitloma, the battle with Chitloma. Google Melchizedek's tithe. You'll see conflicting stories that Abraham could give all away because it wasn't his. <laughs> no, he had a right to give it because it was his. Right? Listen. Now, let me ask you this. What was the motivation to attack Chiraloma? To get rich or to rescue a brother? What was the result? Got rich. <laughs> I'll ask again. What was the motivation to rescue? To attain wealth or to seek Lot's welfare? The motivation, I used the entirety of all my resources. Genesis 12 is behind me. I can hear the words. I have a prophecy from God. Yet I'm putting my life at risk. I'm, 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 ins- I'm, I'm literally putting the fulfillment of my prophetic destiny on hold simply because I'm concerned about my brew that can't see what I represent. This is not, let me just say this to you. Lot is not someone you like. Plain down. Lot is not someone that sees like you see. Lot is selfish. Lot is carnal. This guy positions himself towards fleshly pursuits, towards Lot. This guy is, is driven by externalities. He's driven by showmanship. He chooses the best land externally everywhere where it's well watered. This guy got no inclination to sort out strife and tensions in this, in any relationship. And this is the kind of person God says, I'm calling upon you here at Gate Ministries. Put the entirety of your resource your time, and seek out the welfare of your brother and see what kind of booty you will come back with. It's not the booty we're after. It's the well-being of Lot. Well-being of Lot. You know, God was so gracious to Lot so many times. Eh? You know, even after that, if I were him, I would have reconnected with Abram straight away. <laughs> so forget the past. Genesis 15 opened up a new chapter. We're back together. I'm here to serve you. Right? Any of my herdsmen that strive with you will be fired immediately. Okay. I would rather say my herdsmen become your herdsmen. Something like that. But Lot still can't see. He still goes back and he's now living in the city. Remember God said, I will destroy the city. Who prays for God's grace? And even then Lot is still spared as an act of Abram's intervention. <laughs> Abram always intervenes to save this brew. <laughs> and the brew can't see what you represent. Hmm? You know, I know what you're thinking. 
You don't mind doing all of that for someone you like. It's easy. Someone you respect, you do it gladly. Not so? I'm talking about that lot. And there are a lot of them. I'm talking about that person at work that irks you, riles you. Seek out their welfare. If they are in a fix, seek to rescue them. Seek to rescue them. Amen? Let's just do one more. Okay, let's just follow this. The ground, we'll just take 10 minutes and we'll we'll be done. The ground does not respond to Canaan who killed his brother Abel. Remember Cain killed Abel? Not so? Cain killed the image of God. Now listen carefully. It was the first murder committed in human history. Men are made in the image and in the likeness of God. Murder was frowned upon so seriously by God because it was a total disregard and disrespect. Yes, for life, that's that's important. But more so for the image of God vested in the person. That's why hence God was very angry. Even though God was angry with Cain, God still gave him immunity. You know? So, he killed his brother. Let's read from verse 9 of Genesis 4, verse 9. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? He said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from my hand, from your hand. When you cultivate the the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the face of the earth. So the, the curse upon Cain after he murders and kills the image of God vested in Abel is this. Now, Cain, you try and be a farmer. Try and till the soil. Try and sow your seed. You sow your seed, and the Bible says here, the curse of God upon him was, the judgment is, the ground does not yield its strength to you. Simple. You can sow your seed, but because you get no peace for your seed, your seed is, won't work. You're sowing your seed, but no peace. You've just killed a brother. So there's hatred involved. And this is what, in case you're thinking you're not a murderer, who thinks you're not a murderer? No one committed murder. Here's a verse for you. First John 3.15 says, Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. So let's redefine murder. Murder is, is hatred for a brother. Hatred for a? Hatred for a brother. Okay? Now, if you hate anyone, then even the ground does not respond to you. And you will never find a place of rest or peace yourself, but you become a vagrant and a wanderer all the days of your life. Never come to a place of, 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 of settlement. You know, in this economy, in Genesis 3, 4, they were building cities. But there was the development of thriving communities taking place. And all his life, Cain could just wander from place to place and never ever settle and build a legacy for, for himself and his family. Hmm? 
the ground does not heal its strength to you when you hate your brother. And you know, that, that is simple. there's no great revelation in here. I just want to encourage everyone. Next time you sow seed of any kind, for creation to respond to you, creation will only respond to the image of God in you. Dominion is always given to the image. God made man in his image and likeness. God said to them, have dominion, be fruitful. Right? Dominion's always given to the image. So how can dominion be given to one who murders the image in his brother? Now, you might not think, let me ask you uh, plainly, are there some people that you hate in life? Answer within yourself. I'm suggesting to you from the scripture, if, if, you have, if you are a hater of anybody, that your seed potential is not going to be fully realized. Creation won't respond to you because you are a hater of the image. Even though um, the person might be uh, nasty, uh, might be hateful to you, you are even called to love your enemies. And I want to encourage you, practice this thing. Do not kill the image of God in your brother. Even no matter how tempted you are to talk bad about him, scandalize him, etc. Just talk blessing and peace and see how your, your seed will see how your seed will prosper. Amen. Now I want to stop there because if I start the next section, it's going to go on and on and on. But close your notes, let's just stand. Lift up your hands to the Lord. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Father, may we have peace in all of our relationships. May there be no acrimony, tension, strife, hatred, bitterness, envy, betrayal, murder in our hearts, one towards the other in all of our relationships not just in this local church, with our family members, biologically, with our work colleagues, uh, with spouses. May in every single expression of our lives, Father, may we have peace for the seed. May we do everything in our power to ensure the well-being of each other, even at times rescuing the lots in our lives, putting everything on hold, that we might seek the welfare of those that even despise us, those that don't fully appreciate what we represent. But we will always demonstrate your love, always demonstrate your care and your concern for them. And I know, oh God, in that process, you will ensure we have, we have great spoil. Help us not to murder and kill like Cain did Abel, but to respect, for we are indeed our brother's keeper. We're not his killer. We are our brother's keeper. Help us to keep our brothers, our sisters, Give us a new heart of compassion, a new level of concern, empathy, Father, for, for everyone within our sphere of relationships. And I know, Father, you are going to rain down tremendous productivity. There will be peace for the sea. The heavens will give forth their dew. The land will give forth its produce. The vines will give forth its fruit. And this people shall inherit all things. Thank you for that promise. Uh, I confess it. I reach out for it that it will be done in our day. This people shall inherit all things because we'll be known as peacemakers. And they that sow seeds of peace will reach and reap harvests 
of righteousness. Wherever righteousness is seen, the associated blessings, the attendant blessings, Father, will be on it. In Jesus' name, amen.